Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean Sports Hub, where I, Sean Toplitsky, yours truly report all the biggest news stories in sports and give my unique opinion, my unique perspective on it. I also cover the news results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams, professional sports teams in LA. Um, lots to cover on the news side of things. The Minnesota Vikings have fired one of their um, coaches. The Toronto Blue Jays have released one of their most known players, Dwayne Wade, said that the big three has changed the NBA. LeBron James clarified his garden comments. The Philadelphia Phillies have signed a very known outfielder. Tottenham is still alive, is still alive in the UEFA Champions League after their match with Barcelona. Liverpool has advanced to the uh, UEFA Champions League knockout stages. The city of Oakland is suing the Oakland Raiders football team and the NFL for their move to Las Vegas. The Los Angeles Dodgers are looking to move two very known outfielders to trade them. Uh, and Greg Popovich, the head coach for the San Antonio Spurs, has passed Pat Riley on the all-time wins list in the NBA. And I'm, and as I said, the LA sports teams. But before I get into that, I just want to say every episode of my podcast is available on every podcast platform that includes iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, anything you can imagine. Uh, and just help out any way you can. Obviously, donations are the most appreciated, but I totally understand if you can't. We all need money to survive on this planet. But just leaving a five-star review on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, that really goes a long way and helps me out way more than you probably think it does. And uh, check out my social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Sean Sports Lab, as well as LinkedIn, uh, Sean Toplitsky, that's my personal LinkedIn, so check me out on there. And check out my website at, Sean's, my website at seansportslab.com, I'm, I'm building another one as you listen to this. And uh, bef- last thing before I get into the uh, news section, check out my friends over at Crimson IT. So they, they are a Los Angeles-based managed IT services company that specializes in ultra-reliable and highly secure IT services for the small and medium-sized companies. If you would like to see if any of your company email passwords have been stolen on the internet, reach out to them and for listeners of my podcast. Since I appreciate you guys so much, they will run a free scan on the dark web for any information related to your company that has been leaked, stolen, or sold. And they can be reached at 310-838-3700 or crimsonit.com. That's C-R-I-M-S-O-N-I-T dot C-O-M. So with that said, let's transition to the um, news stories as promised. So the first one has to do with the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings have fired offensive coordinator John DeFilippo one day after a 21-7 loss to the Seattle Seahawks. The team announced Tuesday quarterback, that was today. Quarterbacks coach Kevin Stefanski has been promoted to offensive coordinator and will take over the play calling duties. The loss dropped Minnesota to 6-6-1 on the season, giving them only a, a half-game lead for the second NFC wildcard spot. They could only muster 276 total yards of offense against Seattle on Monday and did not get on the board until 70 seconds left in the game in the fourth quarter. At that point, it was a 21-7 Seahawks lead, and the game was all but over. This was also the second game in a row where the Vikings scored 10 points or less, both of which were losses. After the game, Vikings star wide receiver Adam Thielen made it clear the offensive struggles were not DeFilippo's fault, saying, quote, you hear the offensive coordinator is getting a lot of ridicule, but it's about the players. Thielen said, per the pioneer presses, Chris Tom- Th- Thomason, the players have got to make the plays. It doesn't matter what play is called. You have to run that play and you, uh, and you have to be successful on it. It just comes down to execution. All 11 players doing the right thing. But with their season on the line, the Vikings apparently decided a change was necessary to get the offense going again. DiFilippo was in his first season in Minnesota, having spent the previous two seasons as the quarterback's coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, who won the Super Bowl last season with backup quarterback Nick Foles. DiFilippo was also previously the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns in 2015. Per Thomason, the Vikings entered November with the ninth-ranked offense in the NFL. Five games later, they ranked 17th. That's not uh, what the team envisioned when they gave when they gave um, quarterback Kirk Cousins $84 million guaranteed in the offseason. Minnesota will try to get back on track against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. The Vikings then wrap up the season with games on the road against the Detroit Lions and at home against the Chicago Bears. So we'll see how that goes. And, uh, um, you know, maybe 
Stefanski is a is a much better offensive coordinator than um, than their previous offensive coordinator in um, in John DeFilippo. But no matter how good he is, I don't think it's the right move to make to make a, to make any kind of move like this when you're six six and one. Uh, when you're 13 games into the uh, season that only when you only play 16 games and you're trying to make a playoff push uh, i don't think change is good at that time so i think they should have waited until the offseason but that's just that's just me now switching gears to the mlb free agency is in full swing the, the the toronto blue jays announced the release of shortstop troy Tulowitzki on tuesday john morosi of, ML, of uh, the mlb network reported the jays still owe the infielder 38 million dollars from the remaining portion of his 10-year 157.8 million dollar contract Tulowitzki was one of the league's most valuable players and shortstops during his prime with the Colorado Rockies. He earned five All-Star Game selections, including three straights starting in 2013, and won the Silver Slugger Award and Gold Glove position in both 2011 and 2012. The 34-year-old California native has struggled to stay healthy in recent years, though. He was limited to only 66 games in 2017 because of hamstring and ankle injuries, and then he, went, he underwent surgery in March to remove bone spurs from his heels and proceeded to miss the entire 2018 season. In August, Tillowitzki said, said after the announcement he would remain sidelined for the remainder of the year, that he was not open to a position change, saying, quote, I just said I'm a shortstop. If someone's better than me, I'll pack my bags and go home, he told reporters. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is expected to play short for the Jays in 2019, leaving no room for the injury-prone veteran in Toronto. It's unclear what type of market Tulowitzki will encounter as a free agent. His track record is, is strong, but by next spring, he'll be three years removed from his last productive season and five years removed from when he could have been considered a top-tier player. So injuries have really hurt him, both um, physically on his body, you know, because injuries hurt, and also in terms of, uh, you know, being considered a good player in the MLB, like above-average player in the MLB that would, that would command a lot of money in the free agent market. So now switching gears to the NBA... LeBron James and Dwayne Wade entered the NBA in 2003, and as one of them prepares to hang up his sneakers, the two future Hall of Famers understand the impact that they've had on the league. After James and the Los Angeles Lakers pulled out a 108-105 win over the Miami Heat on Monday, Wade explained that influence uh, per ESPN's Ramona Shelburne, saying, quote, We definitely were a part of shifting the culture. I don't, I don't want to say changing it. We shifted a little bit. Even from the start with us being so close, going out to eat, going to the movies, etc., then go out and play each other the next night. People didn't understand that. People didn't understand that at first, but we shifted the culture of how you can still compete, you can still be great and push each other. It's not for everyone. You got the mama mentality. If it's not for Giannis, it's not for everybody. It's something that worked for us. We clicked from the beginning and we've pushed each other and helped each other's careers go up another level and another notch. So he's been great for me and I've been great for him. James echo echoed those words and quote, some people say you shouldn't be uh, friends with your co competitors because you still can't compete. James said per ESPN.com's Dave McMenamin. And I think people have seen that and recognize that even with our friendship, we competed against each other. We pushed each other when we were playing against each other. Wade and James have a relationship that covers the better part of two decades. They spent 11 years in the Eastern Conference as opponents, as well as four seasons as teammates uh, with on the Miami Heat, as well as with Chris Bosh. Not to mention part of last season with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, through it all, they have been there to push each other. Meanwhile, the buddy-buddy nature of today's NBA has former players questioning this generation. Uh, like, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo's current player that uh, has questions it, and I covered that on a recent episode. Now switching gears to more news about LeBron. This is very interesting. So following what was likely the final meeting between LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in the NBA, uh, they discussed a special moment on the court at Staples Center in L.A., um, so LeBron told Dwayne Wade, quote, it was either here or the garden in reference to which venues were meaningful enough to play host uh, to their final game against one another. According to Michael J. Duarte of NBC Los Angeles, James further explained his comment about Madison Square Garden in New York City. Um, so 
LeBron has clarified that uh, the, he was not implying that he was either going to play for the Lakers or the New York Knicks. Just to, I'm clarifying that for you guys if you're not aware. Uh, switching gears to more MLB. Andrew McCutcheon is set to return to the state of Pennsylvania and as he has reportedly agreed to terms on a contract with the Philadelphia Phillies on Tuesday, according to Matt Gelb of The Athletic. Per fancrest, John Heyman, McCutcheon, and the Phillies came to terms on a three-year deal worth $50 million. The 32-year-old started the 2018 season with the San Francisco Giants after the Pittsburgh Pirates decided to cash in on their beloved fan favorite. The Pirates received relief pitcher Kyle Crick and minor league outfielder Brian Reynolds in the deal. The move was part of a major push by the Giants to try to catch up to the Los Angeles Dodgers. San Francisco also acquired three-time All-Star Evan Longoria from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, things quickly unrivaled for the Giants, though, and they dealt McCutcheon to the New York Yankees just ahead of the August 31st trade deadline. McCutcheon endured an underwhelming start to the season in the Bay Area, which was not all that surprising since AT&T Park is in the middle of the road when it comes to favoring hitters. In 130 games with the Giants, McCutcheon had a two fifty five batting average with 15 home runs and 55 RBI, so not that good. Overall, McCutcheon closed out 2018, hitting 255 with 20 homers, 65 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases. Those numbers are still far from what he was delivering when he made five straight All-Star games with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but they're certainly good enough to warrant an, every, an everyday starting job in the Philadelphia Phillies outfield. Granted, McCutcheon continues to be a net negative defensively, even after moving over to right field on a full-time basis. According to Fangraphs, he was tied for 17th among qualified outfielders in defensive runs saved uh, with only one and ranked 40th in ultimate zone rating at minus 0.9. The trade-off um, is that McCutcheon's defensive um, kind of shortcomings are as aren't costly aren't as costly in right or left field, but he's not going to deliver the power numbers one would expect from a corner outfielder. So, I think this is a pretty good move for the Phillies, but I think they might have given him a little bit too much money. So now switching gears to soccer, we have two European soccer stories to cover back to back. The first one. So Tottenham Hotspur advanced the knockout phase of the UEFA Champions League on Tuesday after they earned a 1-1 draw versus Barcelona at the Camp Nou. Uh, the Spurs needed needed uh, to match Inter's result at home to PSV Eindhoven, and with the Italian side being held to a 1-1 draw at San Siro, the Lily Whites progressed thanks to their one-goal advantage in head-to-head -head away goals against Inter. Osman Dembele for Barcelona broke the deadlock in the seventh minute with a fine solo goal. After dispossessing Kyle Walker-Peters on the halfway line, he showed off his pace and he broke free, so huge win for uh, Tottenham. Uh, there was another English Premier League, or a team from England from the uh, Barclays Premier League, English Premier League, that advanced to the knockout stage, and it was Liverpool. So Liverpool Liverpool pro progressed to the uh, last 16 of the UEFA Champions League on Tuesday after securing a 1-0 win over Napoli at Anfield. Mohamed Salah scored a decisive goal in the 34th minute, finishing from a tight angle after he impressively turned Mario Rui and wriggled past uh, the goalie. So huge, absolutely huge move for uh, Orm. Huge match and result for Liverpool. Switching gears on to the to the NFL, the city of Oakland is seeking monetary damages in a lawsuit filed against the Raiders for their upcoming move to Las Vegas. Per Kimberly of Aklarov of the San Francisco Chronicle, the city said in its lawsuit, all 32 NFL teams colluded in an quote illegal cartel that demands cities publicly finance a new new stadiums or be at risk of losing a franchise to relocation. Quote. The Raiders' illegal move lines the pockets of NFL owners and sticks Oakland, its residents, taxpayers, and dedicated fans with the bill, Oakland City Attorney Barbara Parker said in a statement. The purpose of this lawsuit is to hold the defendants accountable and help to compensate for the damages with defendants' unlawful actions have caused and will cause to the people of Oakland. Phil Mattier and Andy Ross of the San Francisco Chronicle reported in September the Raiders were considering leaving Oakland early following the 2018 season after the city council voted to approve the antitrust lawsuit. The Raiders announced in March 2017 they were relocating to Las Vegas in 2020. Their lease with the Oakland Alam 
Alameda Coliseum expires after this season. Owner Mark Davis told ESPN Paul Gutierrez last month he would prefer to play next season in Oakland, but quote, why would I give them $3 million, $4 million, $5 million in rent uh, that they're going to turn around and use to sue me? Gutierrez laid out some additional options. He tweeted, quote, while the hashtag Raiders uh, don't have a home for 2019, they would like to stay in Oakland. But if the lawsuit makes that impossible, expect San Diego and Santa Clara's Levi Stadium to become clubhouse leaders. But don't discount an early move to Las Vegas or even Reno. Yes, Reno. The Raiders began their second stint in Oakland in 1995. The franchise began playing in the city in 1960 before a 13-year run in Los Angeles from 1982 through 1994. So that's that. Switching gears to the MLB. This has to do with my hometown team, the LA sports team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers are reportedly trying to create space in their crowded outfield by uh, shopping two marquee players. Per MLB.com's Mark Feinstein, Dodgers are, quote, actively, trading to, actively trying to trade Yasiel Puig and or Matt Kemp. Even though the Dodgers have yet to strike a deal, they have been among the most active teams through the first two days of the MLB winter meetings. MLB Network's John Morosi reported Monday that the Dodgers were among the teams talking to the Cleveland Indians about trading for Corey Kluber. Per the Athletics, Ken Rosenthal, the Cincinnati Reds, discussed Puig as a potential trade target with LA. Matt Kemp likely make more money than Puig in 2019. He is owed $21.75 million, with $2.5 million of that being paid by the San Diego Padres. The 34-year-old had a strong 2018 season with a 290 batting average, 21 homers into 146 games, but I think it was a bit of a fluke, a bit of a lucky season. I don't think he'll be anywhere near that in uh, 2019. I think he'll fall off, much like former Dodger Adrian Gonzalez did recently. Uh, Yasiel Puig is projected to earn $11.3 million in his final year of arbitration. Per MLB trade rumors, Tim Dierks. He hit 267 excuse me, with 23 homers in 125 games. The Dodgers currently have eight outfielders who could start for them in 2019 if they keep Kemp and Puig. Um, those also include Chris Taylor, Jock Peterson, Enrique Hernandez, or Kike Hernandez, Cody Bellinger, Andrew Tolles, and Alex Verdugo, who also might be traded. Now switching gears to the NBA for the last notable news story of this episode. This was episode number 196. Greg Popovich hit another milestone in his legendary career Tuesday um, after surpassing Pat Riley on the NBA's all-time coaching wins list. Thanks to the San Antonio Spurs 111-86 win over the Phoenix Suns, Popovich moved into sole possession of fourth place with 1,211 wins. The Spurs have run hot and cold this season, although they appear to be on the upswing. They won three straight games to get back to 500 at 14-14. While San Antonio has undergone... In, um, Lots of changes in recent years, the retirement of Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili, losing Tony Parker as a free agent and trading Kawhi Leonard to Toronto, Popovich has remained a constant presence. However, however, Popovich's time on the sideline may be running out. In June, ESPN.com's Adrian Wojnarowski reported the 69-year-old may retire after he coaches Team USA during the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Since he took over, since he took over as Spurs head coach early in 1996-97, Popovich, Popovich's only losing season came in his first year. Along the way, to his 1,211 wins, he's also led the franchise to five NBA championships and 21 straight playoff appearances. So an absolutely legendary coach is Pop. So that's all we have uh, for the notable news stories section. Now we're going to be transitioning to the LA sports, starting with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Lakers did not play today, but they do play uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, the Lakers play tomorrow at or actually they play the day after tomorrow, excuse me, at 5 p.m. Pacific time against the Houston Rockets as the Lakers will look to win their third straight game. Uh, that, the game's going to be on TNT. The Los Angeles Clippers, they played today and they played the Toronto Raptors at home and they lost to the Toronto Raptors at home. It is worth noting that the Raptors did not have Kawhi Leonard and they still beat the Clippers by 24 points. The score was 123-99. to 
The Toronto Raptors are, are now 22-7 and seven on the season, while the Clippers fall to 17-10. and 10. Uh, The Clippers have now... Uh, the Clippers have now lost their, uh, obviously lost this game after beating the Phoenix Suns in overtime. The Clippers play the day after tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time against the San Antonio Spurs, uh, coached by Greg Popovich, who we just talked about. Uh, taking a look at the stats for the Clippers and Raptors game for the Clippers, Tobias Harris had 10 points, 3 rebounds, Danilo Gallinari had 11 points, Tyrone Wallace had 15 points, and Boban Marjanovic had 18 points. Other than that, uh, no big contributions for the Clippers, really. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, after losing on Sunday 15-6 to the Chicago Bears on the road, uh, they will look to bounce back as they play the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, December 16th at 5.20 p.m. Pacific time at home. The game's going to be on NBC, the second week in a row where the LA Rams are one of the two featured teams in the NBC Football Night in America primetime Sunday night football matchup. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, who are second in the NFC or in the AFC West, play the Kansas City Chiefs this Thursday on, th- on the Thursday night football matchup at 5.20 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, they play in Kansas City. If the Chargers win, they will be tied for first place in the AFC and AFC West with the Kansas City Chiefs for the best record. But if they lose, the Kansas City Chiefs will have a two-game lead. Uh, the game's going to be on uh, Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. The Los Angeles Kings, they played today and lost. Unfortunately, they played the Buffalo Sabres, and they lost 4-3 in overtime after leading 3-1. The Kings fall to 11-19-2, while the Sabres improved to 18-9-4. Uh, the Kings are now on a two-game losing streak after beating the uh, Vegas Golden Knights 5-1 at home last Saturday, December 8th. Their next game is the day after tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, against the Columbus Blue Jackets at home, or excuse me, on the road, as they look to bounce back from the loss. The Anaheim Ducks, to conclude this episode of Sean Sports Up, episode number 196, they play um, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Pacific time against the Dallas Stars at home. The Ducks are currently third in the Pacific Division. So that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Up. Thank you so much for listening, and um, I'll see you guys in episode number 197. Take it easy.